0: to today's Life Coach Pod show. We are going to be live until the end of April, and then we're going to no longer be live, but I will still have guests who are alive, so that's important. Today on the show, we have a great guest. Laurel Sutton is here, and we're going to dive into her content in just a minute, but I wanted to take a second and share something with you. It was on uh, Twitter this morning, and I just thought it was kind of beautiful, especially at this time when when we're supposed to be using postage stamps. It's the idea of if you love someone, tell them with so many people dying this is a really good time to check in with the people you love and to get that out there if someone's music or writing or art changed you tell them and i have to say anybody who listens to the lawyer daughter lawyer's daughter podcast of mine where that's so deeply personal and people send me emails it's like so powerful and it it changes me so if it's having an impact on you someone's music writing or art let them know If someone's kindness caught you when you were slipping, tell them. If you're afraid to say it out loud, write it down. And if you're afraid to write it down, write it down anyway. Writing is good. You can write, you don't have to write like a book. You can write like a graphic novel where it's pictures with words. However, writing means something to you. If it's post-it notes, whatever it is, just don't be afraid to write. It really can get a lot of stuff out and help you think more clearly and make you feel a lot better. So I I loved this tweet. It was just beautiful, poet tweet. So today we have our guest, Laurel Sutton. It is, for those of you keeping track, a Thursday. And I literally had to check that a couple times today. It's a Thursday already. I don't even know what's happened to a week where a lot of us aren't doing a lot of stuff. Some of us are doing hell of stuff, but some of us aren't. So if you're keeping track, it's the 16th, the day after our old tax day, and it is March 47th for those of you sheltering at home. Tomorrow's guests include Michelle Quay, the power of self-perception. When you meet her, you're going to see why self-perception is everything because she's grown up with some external hardships that I think have uh, she's made the best of I honestly I love this woman she's great I met her through coaching and then on Monday I'll have motivation the motivation Monday and I actually have guest book for all next week I just need to package them so I'll get that up and running really quickly um, really important in the news for our time capsule segment those of you that are expecting stimulus checks yesterday I gave the URL it's irs.gov forward slash coronavirus might be a hyphen in there and then um get my check well here's the thing the checks are going to bank accounts that aren't related to your bank account so you need to see if you think you should have a stimulus check and you don't if you can persevere on that website that kept crashing i guess it had a six percent uptime yesterday six percent that's i don't think that's even uptime I think that's just beta testing. I don't know what that is. In in Silicon Valley, that would not be counting as anything. That's not even running out a bad product to see if people will use it. That's just bad. But for those who did get through, they found out that checks were being deposited in in accounts that weren't even close to their bank account numbers. So I don't know how that happens. These are computers. They don't just make errors. So somewhere humans are involved and doing things to things. So check on your stimulus check because it may have gone to the wrong place. Supposedly banks are supposed to refuse them. They've said, the article says that the government is saying call your bank, but don't do that to your bank because they don't know. They don't know something they don't have. They can't search for a check that doesn't exist in their world because it wasn't sent to your bank account. So please don't bombard your banks. That's not good advice. Um, That's not, they can't help. Okay, so um, in funny news, and this this is so perfect because this, cues up Laurel so well because she is a linguist. Um, And and there is a strong relationship between being a linguist and grammar. For today's little funny, I thought this was hilarious, and you're going to need to look, but I'll read it for those of you on the podcast. We have four pictures of the Fox News Chiron, and that's the little words that go across the bottom of the screen. So if you ever see that word, C-H-R-Y-O-N, that, that is referring to the chiron, that, those words across the bottom. Well, in this case, President Trump was talking about who the World Health Organization, W-H-O. But the person writing the little chirons was screwing up and adding a colon after, after the word Trump. So it says Trump, who has not provided explanation. Trump, who pushed China misinformation. Trump, who gave false information. Trump, who must be held accountable. So there you go, guys. That is really not how you use punctuation, because in this case, it's just made for today's comedy. And with that, I'm going to introduce Laurel Sutton, who I have just confirmed I've worked with since at least the late 90s, because that's when her firm started. And... I was one of her early clients, um, along with a a good friend of mine, June Bauer, where we were working at a voicemail company because voicemail used to be a thing before email went crazy. We had voicemail and catchword branding came in to help us with naming. And that's just horrifying because uh, nearly 20 years have gone by and here we are. Uh, But I love the process of naming. I love these guys. And I think that there's much more to it than people know. And I wanted to have Laurel on to talk about that, just to do some behind the scenes stuff. Sometimes it's fun to learn how things, how the sausage gets made as it were. So Laurel, I'm going to stop sharing my screen and (laughs) join and have a conversation. Do you want to introduce yourself? Because you have like hella credentials.
1: Uh, Sure. Uh, So I am a linguist. That's my development professionally. I went to Berkeley in the graduate program there to get my linguistics degree. Um, I started Catchword with two partners in 1998. I just confirmed that, I know, which seems like a million years ago. And that's pretty much what I've been doing ever since. Uh, I have some outside interests that are related to this. So I am now the vice president of the American Names Society, which is a scholarly organization for naming. It's a society. And wow. It is a society. Yes, we publish a journal and everything. We have a, a yearly meeting. And I also work with the Linguistic Society of America, which is the big scholarly association for linguists, specifically in an area that's devoted to trying to find or help students who want careers outside of academia, because uh, I'm sure you know it's a huge crisis right now. Lots and lots of people are getting degrees, advanced degrees, and basically there's no jobs for any kind of humanities person coming out, Um, especially for PhDs or for people with master's degrees. There just aren't jobs. In academia, the job market has shrunk so much and you can't make a living either as an adjunct or just teaching. So we feel very strongly that Uh, There needs to be support for people who want to use their degrees in industry because there are tons of industry jobs, especially for linguists or English majors or history majors. Those skill sets are super important in industry, but people just don't know how to move from academia into business. So we're trying to help provide a path for that. And so far, it's been going really well, and I hope that we can continue to do that.
0: Okay, so for people that don't know what a linguist is or why (laughs) you'd want to pursue it, tell me both. Define it and then why was that your passion?
1: Oh, well, this was... It took me unbeknownst. So when I was growing up in New Jersey, I went to Rutgers, which was the closest college, a good school, Douglas, the women's college, which was even better. And I wanted to be an English major because I loved reading and writing. And I thought, great, this is what I'll do. And then when I got into the program, I realized most of being an English major meant reading stuff and then reading what people said about that stuff and then what other people said about what people said about that stuff. So it was sort of this endless loop of literary criticism and I was super bored and I thought, okay, this is not what I want to be doing. But as part of the program there, you had to take some linguistics courses. They didn't even have a linguistics program at that point. They just had assorted courses. And once I started taking those courses and realizing what linguistics meant, which is basically looking at language and analyzing language from very different perspectives, both um, just the sounds of language. Like, how do we understand spoken language, right? It's weird. You make sounds out of your mouth and people understand it, and then you get meaning out of it. Like, that's crazy. How does that work? And how words are put together and how uh, the language and how people communicate, and what does it mean to translate things? All of these are part of linguistics. And that just fascinated me, and I fell in love with it at that point. So I thought, great, this is what I want to do. I want to study language and try to understand how it works and not worry too much about writing and analysis and literary criticism. I just want to get into the guts of language and figure out what can I learn about it and how can that inform me as a person? So that's where I got my start. And that's what linguistics is. It's just studying language, any language from very, very different viewpoints from the extremely scientific stuff in phonetics where you look at waveforms like to see how language looks on a computer to things like um, semantics where you're just taking words and uncovering all the different meanings that we put into them, how they go together. So I I think it's super fascinating. Like, I think everybody should take linguistics courses because I think it would all help us communicate a lot better.
0: Okay, but dude, this sounds like something that would only be enhanced by some weed because you could really trip
1: (laughs) on, like, just when you said,
0: like, how is it we make sounds and then we know what we're talking about. That is, it's true. Like, when you do start to think about it and then you get people like me who talk fast or people who speak Mm -hmm. slowly. and. Right now, there's a um, film going around where Fred Armisen is doing the uh, inflections of every state. Mm. It's a little video <laughs> that just states and talks about just that. So and the reason I bring that up is you're talking about sound and meaning. And then what do humans do? We add inflection and, and yeah. accents and geographical differences.
1: Yeah. And, Which, and yet you can still understand it, right? Like if yeah, it, and we, yeah, as English speakers, even with accents, even with different vocabulary that you might not know, fast, slow, different inflections, you still understand it. It's amazing. Language is the most amazing thing that humans ever invented in just period. That's I mean, it. it. Well, it truly is. And when you
0: think about, and I'm really stunned, actually, animals have it. Learned more adaptively because mm-hmm. I sit here and watch Mrs. Chirpenstein, who's built a nest with her husband up in the rafter, and she talks to him. Mm-hmm. And based on her tone, I know when he's in trouble or when he's done a good job. Yeah, yeah. And that's just picking up on her frequency and mm-hmm. and and I mean the how high it gets or how low her pitch is. And so and I also know when you when you know a little just enough of some other language to be dangerous. It's amazing what you can still understand. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, from those human. sounds. Yes. Yeah, sounds. We're we're humans and we're social animals and we communicate all around the globe very similarly. We commun- we have the same emotions, so that affects the way that we talk and what we're trying to communicate, even non verbally, just by your facial expressions or the way you're moving your hands when you're talking. All of that we have in common, and and animals do have very sophisticated communication. Different from what humans do, but still, you know, they, they are able to communicate an awful lot to each other. So that's why I love it so much. I mean, it's, it's sort of endless to study it and taking that to the next step, like applying that to business. When I found that you could actually do that, that was like, okay, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. I don't need to do anything else.
0: Well, and, okay. So when we were working on naming projects together, I would just Based on the team, we I knew who, which who had which skill set based on your team back then, and I would know when Laurel started talking. Like, shut up! You're going to learn something now. She's going <laughs> to drop some knowledge, and so in naming itself, your role, as I experienced it, was often to provide, basically the. What is the etymology of the, like, you would mm-hmm. come in and just explain why the words you ch- were choosing and the words you were recommending had much deeper meaning mm-hmm. than a marketing mind might think, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, that's the part of my job that I really love the most is, um you know, you would call it selling, selling the names to clients, but it's more than just saying, hey, this thing is great. It's saying, here's why. And here are all the reasons maybe you hadn't thought of why this word or this name is going to work really well for your company or your service or your product. And, and two, um, overcoming sometimes people's objections to certain words or names, because they're just having a knee jerk reaction based on their own personal experience, not realizing that that doesn't actually apply to everybody. Or saying sometimes people will say things, as you know, like, oh, this name is hard to pronounce. And then you say to them, well, okay, go ahead, try to pronounce it. And they can pronounce it perfectly fine. They just sort of balk because maybe it's spelled a little bit differently than they expect or it's just not as a common a word as they might encounter. So it's a very complicated dance with clients to introduce them to something new, a coined word perhaps that they've never seen before and say, "Here, take a minute. Look at this name. Think about it. Let me explain to you why this could work really well and give them time to look at it absorb it and then go you know what this actually could work really well for us rather than just saying oh that's weird and different i don't like it let's move on to something else
0: so setting aside the um, i'm thinking of apple so you take a brand like mm-hmm. apple and of course that's a household name not only because there's a ton of products but also because billions of dollars have been spent uh, yes to build exactly. brand equity but mm-hmm. had you been in that team meeting when when Apple was proposed as the name. And it was just Apple, I think, nothing more. That's right, yeah. What, what would you have said?
1: <laughs> well, um, as I understand it, it wasn't a team meeting. It was Steve and Steve standing on the steps of the courthouse in San Jose, needing to register a business name for their company and going, uh, what are we going to call it? And, and just throwing out all sorts of things. There are, in fact, Apple's interesting because there are many stories about why they chose it I don't know which is the real one. Steve Jobs said something different from Woz. Other people involved in the starting of Apple said different things. There were like 10 different stories as to why they chose it. So I don't know what the real truth is about it. But it was a brilliant choice because at the time, all of the software companies like Microsoft had names that said something. They were suggestive, right? Microsoft is software for microcomputers and they just smooshed those two words together to make a name, but you knew what it meant. And there were many others at the time that were like that, most of them out of business at this point. Um, you know, CompuServe or something. But Apple- Oh my God, there
0: were so many. Right, right. <laughs> took but, me back to a dark place.
1: Uh, Netscape, yeah, there were Netscape, so many. yeah, you know, but they were all like that. They were sort of two words mushed together, and they usually said software or computers. But Apple was an arbitrary word, and it had lots of great meaning, right? It, it feels very fresh. It immediately brings to mind an image, like you hear the word, you know what an apple looks like. Some people have said that they chose it because initially they were thinking that the computers would be used for educational purposes. I don't know if that's true or not, but you do get a little bit of that, you know, like bringing an apple to school for the teacher, maybe, or, you know, in the Bible, the Christian Bible, the the fruit of the tree of knowledge, maybe there's something in that. But it really is an empty vessel that you can fill with anything. easy to spell it's easy to remember Um, there was nobody else who had a name like that so for the brand that they were trying to convey that is this rebel startup that was different from anything it's a brilliant choice because it captured all of that and it allowed them to expand under that to do basically anything so they started with computers now it's hardware now it's music streaming and television and phones you know you can do anything under the name of apple whereas microsoft is always gonna be tied to software. It, it's very hard for them to move out of that despite you know their best attempts. When they do something like gaming, they have to change it and come up with Xbox because they can't call it Microsoft gaming. Like, who wants that, That's yeah, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, that's not... It- so, and that is an important part of naming. For anybody out there who's ever stood on the steps of the courthouse where you have to do your <laughs> DBA, doing business as, because you're going to have to put down a name. Mm-hmm. And Lord knows that story resonates with me because I've done a number of DBAs because I'm shady apparently. But um, so, yeah, you want to be creative, and the trick is deciding early. If you if you're thinking about naming something, it'll either describe you or it can be an aspirational name where you're going to need to build the story what is what that name means. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, a, that's a, the second, the building the story costs money, takes effort, takes work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Whereas the descriptive names, I know you do a lot with product, consumer product marketing, mm-hmm. the names get more descriptive. Yeah.
1: They can be, it, it really depends on the company. You know, um, we worked at Cisco obviously for a long time and their naming is quite descriptive, you know, um, for their routers and switches, but even, That is hard, like one of the the routers that we named for them was their integrated services router, right? Now you'd think that was easy, Uh uh-uh, no. It took a long time to come up with that because they really were struggling to find a way to capture why this thing was different when it came out, like, I don't know, 15 years ago, you know? And we had to talk with them and find out, well, why? Why is it different from the router that you already have? And so there was a lot of discussion about what those two words would be that came in front of router and then later they came up with an aggregated services router which is different from an integrated services router those two words mean different things to tech people they mean really different things even though to you and i they're they're close to being synonymous so doing descriptive naming can be just as hard as coming up with names like Apple um, and it's all about who the audience is. what is the best name for the audience. What is going to get your customer base to buy the thing that you want it to buy because that's really what it's all about, right Getting people to spend their dollars on the thing, identifying it so that they can find and buy the thing. That's what you do. So then became it then
0: became the world of domains. Mm-hmm. And suddenly naming got ugly. So hard, so much harder, right? Because you want that dot com in a perfect world. Mm-hmm. You want that dot com, but I'm going to argue it's there. It's a finite set. Maybe it's not, but it starts to feel like a finite set, and yeah. it started to feel that way. It felt like by 2006.
1: Yeah, definitely. It it made it so much harder. So um, for the audience, there are different components of naming that you need to think about if like you're coming up with a name for your business, your DBA. So one is just the appropriateness, right? Does it describe what you do or is it aspirational? So it has to fit with what your business is all about and your message and your personality. So that's one part. Then there's the availability part. So there's the trademark part, which is separate from domain. That's a completely different thing. You have to be able to trademark a name in your business class and make sure no one else is using the same one. And in the last 20 years, the number of trademarks has just exploded because of People going into business and business is being global, and now countries from all over the world want to do business in the U.S. and they want a trademark for it, so they have to register their trademark. But then there's the domains, which is an entirely different thing. So now you need an appropriate name that's legally available as a trademark, and if you can get that .com domain, that's awesome as well, but not always possible. So sometimes you have to modify it, um, put a word behind it. It can be, you know, chosen name plus company. Um, Cisco Systems, for example, or it can be uh, a lot of companies now do like go or get if it's a product, you know, like go Apple as an example, yeah. uh, because they can't get the exact.com domain, um, even though there are now lots and lots of other extensions. .com is still the one that everybody identifies and goes with, and honestly, that hasn't changed since they invented .com. So. Um, it, it's really hard. So now you have to do the Venn diagram of those three things, the appropriateness, the legal availability, and the domain availability. And then there's this little tiny spot right in the middle. And that's where the magic happens. And that's why people hire naming companies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I remember how we get so excited. We'd have, we'd actually get down to a short list. And this is a long time ago, but even working mm-hmm. at Adobe, like we'd get down to a short list and then it was really then it was super functional. Like, what could we actually get? Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't exactly. get too excited about anything because mm-hmm. the world could turn upside down or we couldn't have the
1: one we got we really liked. Right. It, it was just so hard. Um, so one of the things we did for Adobe was naming elements, Photoshop elements. And I, again, very descriptive, sort of. It was so hard to find a word that was available, that worked with Adobe's brand, and yes. that really captured what this thing was, right? Like, it was Photoshop. It was a light version of Photoshop, but it wasn't a crappy light version of Photoshop. It was a really good light no, version. No, I use it today, and I remember yeah. that
0: project. That, yeah. And that was, it was really hard, because it also was a time in the corporate culture at Adobe, where they were coming to terms with new, a new, um, buyer type, which right. people that weren't the creative professionals. That's
1: right. Yes, exactly. But people
0: like me who needs a version of Photoshop. So yeah, Elements, I mean, I, and it, I love the name Photoshop mm-hmm. Elements because that's what it feels like to me Yeah. as yeah. a user. It's-
1: yep and it, so it, it did that really well and they extended that to premiere and uh, acrobat and i think maybe one other thing where they made an elements version but it was a real struggle to do that not not an easy job at all you think it would be right like one real english word but no <laughs> weeks well, yeah and
0: months. <laughs> then, well and then culturally yeah that really had to get indoctrinated in the cu- culture there where mm-hmm. like for now we're not all perfect artists anymore some of us are business users and that was a new market yep. so yeah that was that was a good project and i still i love photoshop elements if anybody isn't using it it's a very affordable very affordable photoshop yeah. package with almost everything you need.
1: Yeah, and super easy graphics. interface. Like, it's it's a joy to use that. It makes everything really, really easy. It's not confusing.
0: Yeah, I, okay, can send me a check. <laughs> okay.
1: it's,
0: a, it's a good product. It's a very Free good software, product.
1: please, send us some software. <laughs> so are you allowed to talk about any projects you
0: did for Safeway? Look at me just throwing
1: that out there. Oh, Safeway, gosh. You know, a lot of the projects that we started for them ended up not working, like n- not because Interesting. of us. it because they were abandoned for various reasons. Um, they didn't uh end up executing on them or they they test marketed them in some places. We did do some of the product naming, like we were involved in the Primo talio naming for them, which was fun. Um, and they still use that brand. Uh, we developed some other in house names for them for some of their product lines and some of the little um, cafes that they used to have in yeah. the you know, Now I think it's just, oh, I forget what it's called, but there, there's a branded name for the area where they have the hot food. But they used to divide it into little areas according to sort of the ethnicity of the food, and, and we help them with some names for that. Um, but that's a
0: good, it's another good example you know, of how. Some businesses can actually burn through names, especially yeah. when you're in markets and in, in industries where they do a ton of testing, a ton yes. of focus group stuff, and you get so excited. And then for whatever reason, it just doesn't resonate or, it, or mm-hmm. the, the business is not good enough. I need that's, higher that's numbers. Right.
1: Yeah, and that's a huge difference from working, say, in Silicon Valley versus working in consumer packaged goods, because all of the consumer packaged goods company, and then the associated ones like Safeway, Supermarkets, they do tons and tons of consumer testing, where typically, if we're naming a software company, there's no consumer testing. It's just a decision that's made internally by the product team and and blessed by the corporate branding. But when you're working with um, Procter & Gamble, for example, or for Starbucks or for Pete's, they tend to do a lot of testing on those names to make sure that they resonate with their their target audience and that, you know, they don't mean something bad or they don't um, mesh with whatever the brand promises of the thing that they're trying to sell to people.
0: Uh, as the marketer in the room, not that you're not a marketer because you are, but I mean, the person who's dealt with clients like this, I will tell you generally don't test unless you really know what you're doing because yes. you're not going to get feedback that's going to make you feel better. What you're going to get is opinions and those will make you sad. Mm -hmm. So it's better to be really clear about your business. There's a lot of podcasts we've already recorded here in the life coach pod that will help you identify your mission and who you are and your attributes. Your name will fall out of that. Believe in yourself and your Mm -hmm. name because people giving you opinions are about what you pay for them is what I'm going to say.
1: Totally <laughs> agree. Yeah. I've seen so much bad naming research. Uh, again, thinking back to Adobe, I remember when we were testing elements and sitting in the, the room, right? Like looking through the glass and seeing people there. And there's always that one guy in the back of the room, right? Who's like in a bad mood and he hates everything. And he's just going to give his opinion and say like, this all sucks. I hate it. And it's like, well, okay, what is that worth? Like, that's not helping. That's not helping at all.
0: That's Uh, my favorite episode of Frasier is when they're doing the focus group testing and Frasier cannot let it go. I think it's Tony Shalhoub who's like, I don't know. I just don't like him. (laughs) Frasier chases him down because I'm like, that's, oh, we always had that guy in the focus group. Always. Always one that's Just like, how did you make it through the screener? Why are you here? (laughs) <laughs> exactly so right not helpful
1: <laughs> yep that's so that's it that's the guy in the back of the room phenomenon that um i i hate but it, it's always there can't get away from it
0: yeah you have to listen because they might have a point but usually they don't that's yeah. right
1: that's exactly okay. So,
0: what has been what's tell me about a couple of your favorite projects that people may not where you're allowed to talk about if People, yeah, the backstory. Yeah,
1: um, I can tell you two. Uh, one is very quick, and that's we named for Starbucks their um canned um fizzy drink that's called Refreshers. Yes. Uh, it's it's a fruit flavor. It's got some caffeine in it. And again, you'd think it would be easy <laughs> to come up with a name like that, but it actually took a lot to get around to it because at first they wanted a name that was far less descriptive. They thought, oh, let's, let's give it something really fanciful and cool and fun. And we looked at all sorts of fruit names and names that connoted fizziness because it has the carbonation mm-hmm. in it. And eventually... We just kept coming back to the message of like, what is your promise on this thing? Well, it's refreshing. That's what it's for. And we were saying, okay, why don't we just call it refreshers? And after some time and effort, they kind of came around to it. And it's been a really successful name for them. I think everybody agreed that was the right name in the end, but it took, you know, it was a big circle to get from it's refreshing. Let's explore all these names back around to, yep, let's just call it refreshers. So that was fun. And that was a good project.
0: It's a good story too, because it does, half of naming is getting buy-in and getting people to like getting the the leaders in the group to really understand. Yeah. Yep. So even though that was, I'm sure, painful, um, <laughs> it's a good internal process to go through that and make sure everybody's like, okay, this makes sense. And I am a consumer of refreshers. The name makes perfect sense to me. Plus, we ha- haven't really talked about it, but you can hear it, like to me, yes. being able to hear the word, yes. and approximates the spelling. Like, I don't know if I said Chiron, right? I don't even think that's a real word. but. There you go. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So right. Exactly. There's something about that word refreshing. It, you know, it sounds fizzy. And it it has the word fresh in it, which has the shh sound at the end, which just sounds really delightful and light. It sounds like a very light kind of name. And refreshing is Purely positive. There's nothing negative about a name like Refreshers, right? You could try really hard, but it doesn't connote anything bad. It's just this very uplifting feeling altogether, and that's what they really wanted.
0: Okay, so if everybody who's listening to this suddenly starts to listen to words and hear the shh for fresh, that fizzy sound, I love that you he- you must hear words all the time.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. Really, I mean,
0: hear them. Really, hear them
1: yeah you just get tuned to it, and you have to you know in in the naming business it 's all about the meaning and the sound as well because people say things out loud so it 's not just how it looks on a piece of paper or in The Wall Street Journal or in the New York Times. You have to imagine people saying the word out loud and saying it in in a sentence or as we often. Um, counsel our clients, you know, if it's a company name, imagine yourself saying at a party, you know, oh, who do you work for? And then you say, oh, I work for X. Does it roll off your tongue? Do you feel comfortable saying that in a room full of people or to a venture capitalist, perhaps? If you don't. Maybe that's not a good name choice, you know? Yeah, you have to feel like you can get behind this and really say, yeah, I work for this company and I feel happy to say that name. It's important.
0: So do you think a linguist was involved in the commercial That's uh, I see it on MSNBC? Everybody knows I'm liberal. Um, but the, it's around the word, we're going to say it. They, te- they tease the word the whole time. We're going to say it. We're, our product is, oh my God, I can't believe we're going to say it. We're going to say what this product is. And then they say, moist.
1: Oh, of course, because that's supposed to be the word that everybody hates, yeah. Right,
0: moist, but they do such, I'm like, a linguist had to be involved in this, because they did such a good job of building, building, mm -hmm. building, and it has to do with contact lenses, which, of course, you want them to be moist. Yes, you do. (laughs) So good payoff.
1: It is, it's really good. I'm sure, I'm sure they had language people work on that, because, yeah, I mean, they took a meme and, and made it into an actual commercial, which is brilliant.
0: Right, and why does everybody hate the word moist?
1: I, there's something about, to me, the, the vowel sound, the oi sound, which is oy. a little weird anyway, like it, it's just an unusual sound in English and um, tends to be associated, I think, with more kind of a an East Coast New York accent where you have that oi sound. And it, it also has, unfortunately, you know, like... Um, we would say Jewish English kind of pronunciation, right? Like this is how Jewish people talk, which is a racist assumption, but anyway. No, but that moist, moist, yeah, that is yeah. that moist. It gets that up in your nose sound. It does. It's a little bit nasal and it has the ST sound at the end. So I just think it's it's an unfortunate um cultural resonance in that word that is arbitrary it's completely arbitrary there's nothing about it inherently that makes it a bad word but it, it just pings a lot of things for people it's weird I don't know why it came to be like that but it's definitely a meme that's grown over time because I remember seeing that like oh it's the most hated word like 10 years ago online somewhere and now yeah. it's everywhere
0: it's so funny well now now I'm gonna say it though more I'm gonna actually play that word up more with the oi I think I'll just use the oil, exploit that oil a little bit more. <laughs> Anytime I have an OI now, I think I'm going to get the oil. I'm going to just exploit that. I think yeah. it's, it will exploit. Look at that. I'm just saying it wrong right there. Yep. <laughs> just the word exploit. Um, so now tell us your other story. Thank you for okay. that. Complete oh, wonder, sure. Tell uh, us your other
1: story. So this is one of my favorite stories for a name that we did. Uh, and this was, uh, again, uh, 10 years ago, I guess. So we were approached by um, two guys who had left uh, Google and Facebook And they wanted to start a software company and these two guys were Dustin Moskovitz and Justin Rosenstein and they had, they were like numbers, uh, Dustin was like number three at Facebook and Justin had been instrumental in developing a lot of the usability for things like Google Drive and Gchat and things like that. Are they single?
0: no, I'm just sorry. Uh, No, they're not. I'm
1: sorry. Um, but they were really tired of working in those corporate atmospheres and wanted to start their own company. And so they had an idea to develop um, a software platform that would allow people to collaborate within companies. But they wanted it to be very friendly. And they wanted to imbue in the company and the product a lot of their own personal, personal ethics. So when we started the project, we went and we met with them at their little apartment that they had in the mission. And we spent afternoons there just sitting around and talking about what they did and what they liked and what their vision was. And it was very informal. And, you know, there were like cats crawling around our shoulders and people coming in and out. But they felt and I I think they were absolutely right that we had to get to know them as people. Um, and so they told us a lot of stories about things that were important to them you know it wasn't just about work this was about how they lived their lives and all of the charities that they donated money to and what they wanted to see the world turn into and how important taking care of you know wildlife and the planet was oh they're good people really good people and so all of that um you know frantically taking notes on all this stuff and One of the things that they both said that they really was very important to them both as people, but also in terms of this company they wanted to build, was that they loved yoga, the practice of yoga. They were both really into yoga. They wanted to bring that kind of aesthetic and and you know, offer yoga classes to their employees. And so as part of the name development, we started looking at yoga terms because it was super important. Um, we looked at tons of other stuff as well. I mean, our master lists for this project were probably, you know, 1,500 names, just drawn oh okay. all over the place, all kinds of things. Again thinking about availability, right? Like they wanted the .com, they had to get a trademark. So we had to look far and wide for things that were available. And the name that they ended up choosing eventually was Asana. So that is a word, it's in Sanskrit, and it means a yoga pose. It's not Pronounced the way you would in Sanskrit, where it would be asana with the stress on the, ah. the first syllable. And we discussed this quite a lot and said, does it matter? And they said, you know what? It actually doesn't matter. So it's it's asana. That's the way people say it. It's fine. It's a beautiful word, right? When you say it, oh, yeah. it, it has no stop consonants in it, right? It has an S. And it has an N. It doesn't have any T's or D's or P's or B's. The word really flows. And visually, it's beautiful because it has those three A's in it, like the A at the beginning, the A at the middle, the A at the end. There's no ascenders or descenders. So there's an aesthetic about the word that's just like delightful. And it feels really smooth and effortless. But the concept behind a, a yoga pose, if anybody has ever done yoga, is that yoga is flow right? You don't do one pose and stop and then do the next pose. Every pose is supposed to flow into the next one. So even if you're standing still, like doing a warrior pose, you're kind of holding your energy and getting ready to go into the next pose. So the, the idea of the yoga pose for them was both um, steadiness, readiness but also being prepared and flowing into the next thing because that's the way they see office collaboration working like you're never just working on one thing and then you stop and you go to something else there's a flow to your work there's a flow to your day and they wanted that to feel as effortless and smooth as possible so the name for them worked on like all these different levels at the same time it was personally important it was a beautiful word it worked with their their ethos um, and it really meant something in terms of what they wanted the company to do um, and and they were delighted like everybody loves the name they still love the name it's been great for them it is one of those empty vessel names so they could do other things under it yeah. if they so chose they could do lots of things It was available as a domain. Um, It just worked for them in any number of ways. And they were just great guys to work with. I I loved working with them and they've been really good friends ever since. So that's one of our big success stories. And I just, I happen to love that name because it is such a beautiful, beautiful word.
0: You know, you bring up, I I forgot because I haven't done design stuff in a while, but I'm sitting on two domains that I love specifically for what you just called out. I have one name that sits there because it has um, it's Zozomo, but mm-hmm. it has no ascenders, no descenders, and it has a really cool rhythm. Mm-hmm. So, if, and again, it's an empty vessel name, but I just love Zozomo. It's just like this cool feel,
1: mm-hmm. and it ha-
0: and it kind of makes you feel like movements there because it yep. starts with that mo. And then the other one I have is Rollaroo because it has these nice descenders Mm -hmm. I mean um, ascenders that are that make that name have that pattern and that's another way to think of naming if you're visual it's really how does that look you don't I'm just looking at zoom behind you like it has just this nice gestalt Mm -hmm. when it comes together and that's another part of naming at least the designers love that part when they get their hands on it yeah because they can do a lot with the beautiful letter forms that go with it as they start to, you know, start to pull these things
1: together. Right. So- it works into the, yeah, it builds the brand. So then that becomes the visual aspect of the name is also part of your brand. So, you know, the, the name is sort of the foundation of the brand. And then there are all these different other aspects that work with it. And if you can have a really good visual identity and a nice word mark, like Zoom, for example, oh, yeah. that really helps to, to build what you're doing. Um, all of these things are are so many moving pieces. It's, it's quite difficult to manage it all at the same time. You know, changing a name is incredibly difficult. The companies that have had to change their names it's like a million things that you need to do. But even as a, a business, when you're starting out, you have to start thinking about these things because you're going to be faced with it eventually, right? Like you choose your name. Yay, you got the trademark. Yay, you got the domain. Okay, you're building a website. What's it going to look like? What is your name going to look like on the website and on your exactly. business card and on your swag or on you know your little shirt or something like that? It's all part of the brand and you have to think about it. It's interesting in Sacramento, they
0: rebranded the blood bank up here. So oh, I'm a big blood donor,
1: mm-hmm. but it's
0: now called, I didn't know how to say it until they answered the phone, but it's called Vitalant, but I still can't, I can't do it.
1: It's, <laughs> oh, it's that's a terrible
0: name. I don't know who they hired, but it's terrible. And I get it. It's Vita. They're trying to use that Vita, Yeah. but it, 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 it's kind of like Vitalant. It's It's just, a, it's really hard to say. A lot of blockers in your mouth when you try mm-hmm. to say it. It's hard to remember how to spell it. And it doesn't, it does not connote trust to me. I was really, it almost looks so corporate that I thought, what have I stumbled into? Sacramento I used to have the biggest, coolest blood bank thing. Oh, and now it's too bad. It's Aww. this corporate entity. But, yeah. you know, that's the risk when you're a big business. And God knows you and I both been there. When you look at the people and go, wait, is this like an ego exercise or? Sometimes it is. (laughs) Sometimes it is. Yes. It's the saddest, biggest, exhausting projects ever Mm -hmm. that bring your marketing teams to their knees for maybe little, little, little value. When you start using a name, everything you do to build equity. So names are important. Names are important, even for your blog, folks, even for your YouTube channels, whatever you do, names are important. So mm-hmm. think them through. It's It affects us all now because to your earlier point, so many of us are entrepreneurs, even in our side gigs, as we mm-hmm. call it, um, doing our thing. So yep. exactly. this has been amazing. Does anybody on the phone have any questions? Anybody on, this, on the show have any questions? You can uh, unmute. I'll see you. Unmute yourself.
1: Hi Jen. Um I just I was just thinking about all these name things cuz you know names catch us when we we're buying things but I was just thinking about like the coronavirus that
0: I I believe if it was the CDC I was reading something that they named the coronavirus that because when you look at it under a microscope it looked like a crown.
1: Did you I, guys read that? Yes, that is true. That? that is very yeah. true. And so right. I was thinking so you're thinking about we could have been called anything else but that whole series of viruses um, like the common cold, anything corona was because it has that same, and they look under a microscope, it's like a crown. I was just thinking about how we name things like diseases. Yeah, there, there's a whole science to, um, to scientific naming, how animals get named, how diseases get named. Um, I think people made the point recently that, Calling this particular coronavirus covid nineteen I mean the reason it 's called covid nineteen is because they discovered it in in twenty nineteen not that it was the nineteenth right. one, so there are dumb people who think that that 's true, but um yes, we know who those people are <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but also that it you know it's very unfair to tie it to a physical location right like we don't want to call it the wuhan virus or the china virus and people do not understand about the spanish flu in 1918 it wasn't because it came from spain at all it was just because that was the first country that was transparent about the number of people who had contracted and the people who were dying and so you know you at all costs when you're doing scientific naming you want to avoid throwing shade on people or assigning blame or anything like that you want to try to keep it as descriptive as possible
0: that's such a good point donna thanks i it's true we we hear these names and then we get the COVID. i think is the preferred name actually although everybody drinks corona so it seems like that's (laughs) where we end up I, i i use both i use both um and it's interesting to watch how that goes. But it's such a good point, those scientific names. And then we always have the names of the hurricanes.
1: Right. They, yeah, like, who decided to do that? I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's a very good idea. I think, I know, I think yeah, that's,
0: that's their drinking game, I guess. When you work at NOAA, you get one oh. thing to have fun with. It's naming the hurricanes. Well,
1: at least they integrated male names into it, because it was horribly sexist for the longest time, that they you're, were only giving What the heck, man? Don't do that. You're
0: totally right. Yes, that was, that's so unfair. Ah, oh, this has been fascinating. I love talking to you. I, this stuff gets me excited. I. I'm a nerd. I admit it. This is my nerd dumb.
1: Oh, this is a delight. I'm so glad that we got to chat about this. And, and you know, as you said, naming is not easy, but it's something that people have to think about for your own personal brand, as well as the company that you might have to work for. Um, there are lots of naming resources online for people who might need help doing naming. Um, at the website for my company, Catchword, we have a whole how to guide that people can look up if they want some help. Um, Our services are very expensive and not for entrepreneurs, but there are lots of other more affordable alternatives out there for people who might not have the creative juice to come up with a name on their own. Um, So you know, Google is your friend when you're looking for names and Googling names is also really helpful to find out what they might mean or what their etymology might be. You should look things up before you go ahead and, and choose a name. It will save you a lot of mistakes.
0: That is sound advice. And yes, catchword branding, which um, I'll also have in the blog with that information. And I'll put some of those links in there so people can see them. I've used your tools before. They're good. They remind you what's important and what to pay attention to. And I think you even have some um, ideas for how to generate names. So some of the names, like I brought up that don't even have a real meaning. They're just Mm -hmm. sounds put together that create their own name. So I love the Asana stories. That that's a beautiful story. Thank you so much, Laurel, for coming on. I will talk to you soon. Everybody else, thanks for coming to the show today. Okay,
1: thanks. This was so much fun. Bye, everybody. Bye.